0: Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist, and now a health coach based in Arkansas who's been in front of a microphone or a camera since the 1980s. I think of myself as the queen of Arkansas media. I started this podcast in 2020 to help you live a better life, and today, I have on the original thought leaders in the low-carb movement. Doctors Mary Dan and Michael Eads, who were once in Arkansas, but then moved out west, and they were teaching the world that carbs are killing us and we need more fat. That was an unheard of paradigm almost 40 years ago. They are still espousing wisdom, and she's now a book author in fiction. You'll get to meet them both right after this. It's time to talk flooring and maybe even Christmas gift ideas from Acles Carpet One. One.com, three locations in central Arkansas, one in North Little Rock. You and I call it mail. It's Maumelle Boulevard, people. One in West Little Rock and one over in Sherwood. And all three locations. I've been to all of them. They all have great customer service. Product knowledge is outstanding. And here's the deal they beat the big box store prices. I think I really kind of buried the lead as we say in journalism, but that's how I should have started it. They will beat the big box store prices and people come in from all over from other states. So our friends who are listening outside of Arkansas, you can still come to Acles Carpet One and get a great deal. You can get zero interest if paid in full within 12 months. They have the LVP, which is the luxury vinyl plank. That's the one that that the Akles girls have been telling me both Courtney and Erica say that's the bomb.com right now that's what everybody's kind of looking for for flooring because it's so affordable and it looks so good and no one knows it's not marble or you know whatever you want hardwoods or all the things so check that out when you go go online call them here's the other thing they answer their phone you know the big buck store mm-hmm Sometimes I don't answer the phone. And they always have good customer service. So check it out. Find them online. Akelscarpet1.com It's no secret that I have really high standards about what I eat and what I feed my family, including my grandkids. And I know that I can be satisfied both in the quality of ingredients and how delicious it is at Jess's Chicken. Jess's Chicken is a standalone property right now for the Bubba's family. And you might know the Bubba's family because of David's Burgers. So, yes, that's uh, their sister stores, you know, all the hamburgers. But now they're devoting this same type of attention, you know, quality service, you know, the friendliest people in their drive-thru, in the store, and that's at Jess's Chicken. The one location is on Rodney Parham in Wessel Rock. And because of COVID, you know, we were waiting. And finally, the unveiling and uh, everything has been Perfection. And get this, this is a great place to get something for somebody on your Christmas list. Always get a gift card at one of their locations for either Jess's Chicken or anything for David's Burgers. And you know, people will be happy. And at Jess's Chicken, this is the place that has the really good sodas, the scapegoat sodas that are exclusive to their store made with real cane sugar. So not with the The crap, you know, if you want to say it, it's the crap. And also that their boneless, skinless chicken nuggets and breast fillets are hand-breaded, tender and juicy, and they have some gluten-free options. I love the chicken salad. I love the savory and the sweet. And it's all at Jess's Chicken, Chicken Jess'sChicken.com. She won most talkative in high school, and she has been running her mouth ever since.
1: Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher.
0: You two are really, after Dr. Atkins, you are the names that people think of when we start talking about low-carb, and your book was The High-Protein, Low-Carbohydrate Way to Lose Weight, Feel Fit, and Boost Your Health in Just Weeks. What? How did you find this, and how did you know it was kind of the holy grail?
2: <laughs>
0: Gosh. Uh, <laughs>
2: okay, that's a, a, a question to unpack. Yeah. How did you find it, and how did you come to know it was the holy
1: grail? Well... I, after having been thin all my life, I suddenly, I mean, really suddenly, just out of nowhere in the space of what seemed to be just a few months, I all of a sudden packed on a lot of weight myself, and uh, and then it just kept coming, and so I uh, was in a busy practice, you know, we had a busy primary care practice in, in Little Rock, mm-hmm. and uh, I just kind of kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and so then I went on first one of these whatever the current fad diet was. I don't even remember what it was now. And I lost some weight and then it came back and, and you know, it just went back and forth. And then I decided that um, uh, instead of being a generalist, I, th- I always thought, you know, I'd kind of like to specialize in something. So I thought, you know, why don't I treat my own obesity? And so I delved into the literature a little bit and I started noticing that, um, uh, you know, that everything... That made you gain weight kind of ran your insulin levels up. And I started charting out what insulin did, I broke out my old biochemistry textbook and charted out all the insulin pathways. And it, it dawned on me that if somehow you could get insulin down, you wouldn't store as much fat and you should lose weight because that's what happens with type 1 diabetics. They have no insulin and they end up having these just. Incredible weight loss that without trying, and that's what brings them into the doctor's office. They say, "Doc, I've lost thirty pounds in the last two months, and I haven't done anything. What's going on?" And, or
2: more likely I'm eating like a horse, right?
1: And and yeah. usually that's a tip off that they probably have developed diabetes. And so, mm-hmm. I thought if you could, if I could lower insulin levels, <clears throat> I could solve this problem. And then I asked myself, how can you lower insulin levels? There really aren't any drugs that do that. And what drives insulin up is carbohydrate intake. And so what's got to bring it down is to reduce the carbohydrates. And so I did that and lost weight pretty easily. I had to change my diet to do it, but lost weight pretty easily. And then patients started seeing the change and said, what are you doing? And I told them. And the next thing I know, my kind of part of the practice morphed into a weight loss practice. And and then we just decided to write it up in book form. So that was about it.
0: And what year was that?
1: That would have been about 1985, 84, 85. And uh, well, the
2: book didn't come out till eighty nine. Yeah,
1: the book didn't. Well, I wrote a book called "Thin So Fast" that came out in eighty nine. Right. And that was the first foray into writing about it. And then Protein Power it's came 96. out in ninety six, mm. and we were going through a a whole huge deal then with selling a clinic and all that, and somehow. The manuscript got lost and (gasps) at the publisher publisher, and the publisher was not calling us usually they're right on top of you because they've given you an advance and they went hey what's going on where's the manuscript Mm -hmm. and uh, the i'd lost the editor that we signed up with had left and gone to another company so they assigned us a new editor and there was just mass confusion and they fired that editor and then somehow our manuscript got lost uh, the, the sort of the manuscript in process because we were sending it bits at a time actually it was my manuscript yep, and I was doing it by myself I wasn't myself. involved at the time and, and it, it got, as I say it got lost at the publishers and I was glad because we had all this <laughs> stuff going on trying to negotiate the sale of our clinics and moving into a new practice that was kind of weight loss and, and mm-hmm. metabolic only yeah. And uh, and so I was thankful that I hadn't heard from anybody and then all of a sudden, out of the out of the blue, I get a call from the new editor and says, "Hey, what's going on with this manuscript? <laughs> Where have you been? What's happening?" So that kicked us back into gear, and then Protein Power came out in 1996.
2: With us both.
1: With us both. Mm-hmm. Oh well. Then while this was going on, we ended up getting a new agent. The new agent said, "Let's you know, let's rep this to other companies," and so we went to New York and and had a uh, you know went from publisher to publisher. And they said, why don't you both, I mean, you both do this, why don't you both write the book and be co-authors? That was fine with me. So off we went, especially since I'd written about half of it, so it was going to be left to her. <laughs> to or write right.
2: the other half. Good.
1: <laughs> to write the other half. Uh, Good thinking. And so it kind of let me off the hook. And anyway, that's how it all came to be.
0: What were some of the things, like when um, Dr. E- well, you're both Dr. Eats, I'm sorry, Michael. When he started saying, I- I'm going to have to lower my carb intake, what were some of your first choices that you were looking at to eat that were high protein and low carb? Well, it's so
2: simple for him. <laughs> steak and steak. and Right. St- he-, he would eat steak all day long, every day. He would have no problem with that. I'm the one that gets kind of burned out on steak.
0: But I would oh. have gotten
2: burned out on turkey breast, too. I mean, I just, yeah. I have to have some variety. But he would happily have steak and a salad every night, uh, and tomatoes, mm-hmm. every night. That's I, I don't even have to worry about that. That's very simple.
1: Well, we had lamb, and we, well, had, we had chicken, and we things. had all kinds of
2: But not because of you.
1: <laughs> of meat. No, I like lamb. She's the one that didn't like lamb. She's come around, though.
2: I have come around. I have. But so, that was
1: mainly the main switch. It was almost to a carnivore diet. mm mm-hmm. um,
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Just because you know you can't go wrong that way. No, right. <laughs> at least as far as I'm concerned,
0: you can't In go fact, metabolically wrong. Well. No, right. I'm texting my husband now, reminding him that I I've got the steaks and the sous vide that we'll have for a late lunch, and for him to fry the pork rinds. I mean, when you, <laughs> you when know. you eat meat based, it's really simple. I have not. I get bored easily, but for some reason, the satiety is so good and mm-hmm. so delicious to have a ribeye every mm-hmm. day, and maybe some oh. pork rinds because I do miss the crunch. I will say that's the mm-hmm. one thing I miss. Yeah, and Here, so
1: singing my song with ribeyes. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that's I name. can eat it every day, mm-hmm.
0: and you just and, about do, and not go wrong. Y- you know what I've noticed because I adopted more of a meat-based ketovore i mean we might have avocados or i think the nightshades like personally bother me so i've kind of removed those but um my satiety is so high eating beef right those hunger Mm. and those satiety hormones the leptin pushes out the cholecystinkinin pushes out you know all these things magically but i noticed that the last couple of nights because we're recording this in november and so it's already uh social eating And so in my social eating, my daughter's birthday was the other night, and we had some carbs with that. I had some carbs last night. And it's the first time since July that I've gone back for seconds because the carbs don't give me the satiety that a ribeye steak will do. Have you all noticed that? Oh, yeah. For sure. Not only do they not give you
2: the satiety by themselves, they override almost the satiety of the ribeye itself. So you yeah. have the ribeye, and then you have the the piece of birthday cake or whatever, yeah. and then you're you're off and and running and hungry again, and it's um, it's an odd effect.
1: Yeah, you really notice it if you're say at a restaurant, and you've gotten some delicious big chunk of meat that you're gnawing away on, and you finally kind of get it finished, and somebody says to you, hey, uh, try a piece of this swordfish, it's really good. And you go, uh, 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 really, I can't eat another bite. Then they come around with the dessert tray, and you say, hmm, well, uh, maybe I can eat another bite. <laughs> yeah. Because you're, even your brain knows that carbs are going to override this satiety yeah. effect.
0: So they do override it. Mm. Mm, that's really interesting. and it, Absolutely. It make, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um So you started realizing what um, the researchers now have told us. Dr. Ben Bickman wrote why we get sick and, you know, he's a metabolic researcher and it's all about insulin, not even glucose. So we used to chase this rabbit trail of glucose and Dr. Bickman so beautifully said that uh, insulin has a 10 to 20 year predictability on your health. You know, it will blow out long before the glucose will signal anything because of the body were, you know, fearfully Mm -hmm. and wonderfully made. And then Dr. Mm -hmm. Fung has noticed it. So y'all were saying this in the eighties. Did people think you were nuts?
1: Uh, I thought
2: we were killing people.
1: Yeah. Oh, because of
0: cholesterol.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and, and both Ben and Jason are good friends of ours. So we, uh, I bet, you know, we go back and forth with them a lot. Uh, the, um, But yeah, back then, people did think we were crazy. In fact, the Arkansas Times came out to do an article on us. And they were just... (laughs) A cover article. A cover article. And they were just all sweetness and light. Mm -hmm. And they came out, oh, and they were so excited about everything. And then when the article came out, (laughs) it was just a total hit piece. Oh, my gosh. And one of the the sub-headlines was, are these doctors killing people?
2: In big, bold letters. In
1: big, bold letters. Are
2: these doctors killing people? Did you you hire a lawyer? Huh? Mm Huh? Did you hire a lawyer at that point? No. Uh, okay. Now, because everybody, all of our friends, all the people, ah, oh, I saw your article in the Times. That's so great. I thought, did you read it? <laughs> yeah, no. Clearly, you didn't read no, You didn't right. even read the headlines. Right. Are these doctors killing people? No. Yeah. So people don't, you know, as they say,
0: spell the name right. Right. So, how did you know? Because the heart health hypothesis is that, talk about crap, has been around for a while so how were because i remember in tv we were in the 80s in fact when i worked at channel four there was a big push for low cholesterol they told us to stop eating shrimp and lobster and remember to eat margarine and so that was at the same time you had uncovered the holy grail so then how did you push back and I, your patients didn't die they lost weight they lowered their insulin. They lowered their risk of disease.
1: Yeah, yes. well, what it, when we first started working with all this, um, we too had bought into this whole cholesterol hypothesis. Uh, but what we discovered in practice is that a low-carb diet really lowers cholesterol. Mm-hmm. It doesn't raise it in most people it kind of normalizes it. Now, there are a subset of people that it does raise it on, Mm -hmm. but the vast majority of them would get their cholesterol lowered. So we thought that the low-carb diet was great for lowering cholesterol, so it didn't bother us that we put people on on, uh, meat and eggs and Mm -hmm. cheese because... We saw people's cholesterol go down, their LDL go down, their HDL went up, their lipids changed in a uh, in a positive direction. If
2: lipids a, actually matter, yeah, which if they may not. actually but. matter. And right. Now I
1: reach the point that I don't think they even matter at all. But at the time, we were using that as a way to treat uh, lipids that were out of whack, and it worked really well. And then with people who, who had their LDL go up, uh, with those people we would do uh, a, a special test that, kind of expensive and we asked them about it if they wanted to go for it we we did it that that measures the particle size because even it's been common now but back then it was that mm -hmm. time it was uh, people were realizing that if you had big fluffy ldls those were actually uh, a good thing Mm -hmm. they were helpful versus a small dense and what we found out on these people who did have their cholesterol go up and the ones we did test on this is they had all switched from a small dense to the big Mm -hmm. fluffy type Mm -hmm. and triglycerides are really a pretty good marker for that. And if your triglycerides go down, you can be pretty well assured that your big fluffy LDL, that your LDL have converted to the big fluffy kind, uh, even if they go up. So mm-hmm. it wasn't problematic. And so yeah. we really got to the point that we didn't worry about it at all. And as time went on, uh, we got more and more uh, comfortable, came more and more <laughs> with the opinion that lipids really don't matter.
2: <laughs> I have to say the first few patients w- was a little bit of a, uh, what would you call it? A little bit of trepidation. Yeah. Oh, because I'm a couple sure. of them were really, really high. There was a, a, one woman, and she actually came in to see me uh, at the Cantrell Clinic, where I was the head doctor there. And she had right upper quadrant pain, all the signs of probably um, uh, gallbladder disease. Right. And so I started to work up on that. And when I got her lab back, uh, on that it was just it was non-fasting but still her triglycerides i think were 3200 or yeah,
1: they were something really like high. that
2: 3200 um, and <clears throat> like 3200 and i was just and she was not that overweight i mean she was a uh, you know a little thick in the middle but she was not overweight really and you know mid 30s late 30s mm, yeah, and i was just oh my gosh um and so i ended up sending her well a to have her gallbladder ultrasound and all the stuff she had to have done done but then over to his clinic for him to look at this in in terms of the diet and because she didn't want to do medications she was concerned about the medications and she wanted to try to do something naturally and so uh, I ended up sending him uh, her to him and he repeated her lab fasting and it was worse mm-hmm. it was like 3500 or yeah, something was, like that it was it was a, a huge triglyceride number and uh, he put her on the diet it was a little trepidation said go home eat I want you to eat meat cheese and salad basically is what he told her and eggs and he had her come back in two weeks and she came back in two weeks and her triglycerides were normal
1: yeah normal I mean, it, it, which was
2: like 180 or 150 yeah. or something like that at the time <laughs> yeah,
1: she had she'd made an so. incredible improvement and it was strange because in a in a just a short period of time I ended up with four patients that had, she was the first one, but four patients that had really bad lipids. And I put all of them on the diet. Mm -hmm. I stressed mightily over it because Mm -hmm. I could just see myself in court. I mean, uh, you know, the plaintiff's attorney said, so are you telling this jury, Dr. Eads, that you took this person who was a middle-aged male and likely to have a heart attack and already had high cholesterol, you put him on a meat and cheese and egg diet? Is that what you're telling this jury? I mean, I had bad dreams about (laughs) that. Uh, So I watched all these people like a hawk. And, but these four came in. Three of them were uh, females, and one of them was a male. And the male was a middle-aged male. It was a guy I knew. He'd come in to get an insurance mm-hmm. physical. And he, uh, you know, he came in, and we chit-chatted a little bit. And he said, uh, you know, what can I do about this belly? And he had kind of a little pot belly in him. And I mean, so a little I,
2: pot belly. Yeah,
1: and I told him about the program. And so he said, okay. And he takes off. And then I get his lab work back. And his lipids are absolutely horrible mm-hmm.
2: not as bad as and hers
1: but not as bad as everybody remember like this was 1700
2: a time, triglycerides yeah and this was like the that. time
1: when I, when I had bought into the whole lipid hypothesis
2: right.
1: and i saw that and i thought holy cow and i wasn't too worried about the women because women don't really have heart attacks that often uh, especially well, when they're pre, when they're premenopausal, right. yeah. but he was a male and mm. he was a middle-aged male mm-hmm. and he was in the high-risk category in terms of age and, and gender. So I put in a call to his office and they said, "Oh, he's gone on vacation. He went on a cruise." And I thought, "Oh, okay. No, he's, if he's on a cruise, he's not going <laughs> to
2: he's not going to follow he's this not going to follow
1: this diet anyway." So I'm not <laughs> right. worried about it. And so I said, "Please have him call me as soon as he gets back." And so he gets back from this thing. And it's 11 days later, and he calls me. What's up? And I tell him, and I say, uh, what, what's the deal? What are, are you, you? doing? He say, hey. He said, I went on a cruise, but I had access to everything in the world, and I stuck to your diet, and I've lost about five pounds, which is unbelievable on, on a, a cruise. cruise. And he says, and I feel great. And I told him what his lipids were, and I said, you've got to come in. We've we got to recheck these. And he came in, and 11 days later, they had totally normalized.
0: That gives me chills. I, I, I mean, know. truly.
1: I know, and so that gave me confidence to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to to push on with this as an actual lipid lowering therapy, not just a weight loss therapy. Mm-hmm. And we saw that pretty uniformly. Mm-hmm. And as I say, occasionally people would have their LDL go up, and then we measure for particle size, uh, mm-hmm. and that.
2: And there is this thing um, that Dave Fellman is. Uh, n- honing in on yeah. which is uh, the lean mass hyperresponder phenomenon and so there are some you know athletic young lean people who will end up having their um their LDL go up their total Way cholesterol go up. I mean, pretty pretty up. Yeah. high and uh you know that's been a real concern in some quarters but uh, he was one of those i mm. think and so he's studying that very carefully and you know it really looks like it's it, it's an aberration, but it's probably not something that's dangerous to these people. But you know, it's hard when your cholesterol goes that high, with the rest of the world telling you you're going to drop dead. It's uh, it's hard to uh, to stay well, firm. Okay, about it.
1: makes sense that if you fast. That your LDL level is going to go up, and this guy named Dave Feldman, who's an engineer friend of ours, um, who's done a lot of work on mm-hmm. this, probably more than anybody more than else, anybody, yeah. and he's God only knows how much blood he's drawn on himself, on himself because <laughs> I'm he was uh, surprised he has he was, any left. He was his first test subject because he had really high LDL levels, and so he started experimenting with everything. As I say, he's an engineer and keeping meticulous mm-hmm. records, and he found out that if you really want to lower your your LDL level for a a blood test you're going in for, all you have to do is two or three days before that, eat a huge fat load, Mm -hmm. and that will drop your LDL because your liver doesn't need to make LDL to get it out. Got it. So if you want to keep your doctor off your back, that's what you Mm -hmm. need to do about, oh, you need to go on a statin. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The, and
2: uh, The ribeye caps. Yeah. That's what you need to eat for the three days before.
0: I, I want, I really, I, I almost, I'm not going to have you repeat it because people can stop their device and back it up. But that is the most solid advice, most sage advice for anybody. I've even heard Dr. Fung, Megan Ramos, who's part of her, uh, his mm-hmm. Institute of Dietary Men or IDM, whatever that is. I heard her say two to three days of fat load, but she told us hardcore intermittent fasters she said simmer down on your fasting and only do 13 hour fasts for those three days and Mm -hmm. now you're explaining i didn't understand why but i know i've Mm -hmm. told i am a certified health coach i don't give medical advice but i can tell people how to take their labs that are not just glowing but representative of their true health Mm -hmm. and so that to keep a provider off their back but that totally makes sense to me and i will I will use that advice from this day forward.
2: Um, <laughs> well, you know, most people, if they're, if they get a high number like that, they get scared by their doctor and they're gonna, you know, have to go back in and get it repeated. And invariably what they do is that they go way low fat because they think they're yeah. doing the right thing and I'm they out. end up getting a worse number. Right. Um, you know, so it's, it's totally counterproductive what they try to yeah. do. That is and then they, so fascinating. Yeah, then
1: they panic and mm-hmm. well, And then I, they end up well, on a statin. Yeah. What can which are, as far as I'm concerned, absolutely worthless mm-hmm. drugs. Could
0: mm-hmm. could you repeat that, please? <laughs> that statins are worthless drugs.
1: Uh, Thank you. In my opinion, they're worthless drugs.
0: Thank yeah. you, and opinion of so many cardiologists that I've interviewed, so mm-hmm. many that, I mean, mm-hmm. and uh, another book I'm reading right now, or a book I'm reading that has it maybe the cholesterol myth or one. If I'm listening to it on Audible, and the author is saying that the most lucrative drugs on the market for the provider, for the healthcare companies, for Pfizer, for whoever are the statins. So
1: it's the same thing I
0: said the last couple of years, just follow the money. You know, I'm sitting in the comfort of my office now recording some spots and the doorbell rings. It's Cornerstone Pharmacy. Yeah. Uh, compounding at cornerstone.com delivers to those of us in Little Rock, Arkansas for the low, low price of free, but better than that. For those of you listening outside of Little Rock, Arkansas, you can still go online, order your supplements, uh uh-huh, order your hormone testing and get 20% off. Yeah. Code is Lisa at checkout. And these are the people that Arkansans have been depending on for more than 20 years for hormone replacement therapy. But there are so many other things that are available, and it doesn't have to be something where you think, well, I don't need hormone replacement. You might want some supplements. They have the pure encapsulations, which I really, really like, and some other lines. And those things can help you mitigate some health problems. So, compounding at cornerstone.com, link is in the show notes. You save 20% at checkout when you use the magical word, Lisa. I hope you do. And guess what? You'll be feeling better in 2023.
1: And if you look at all the the statin studies, the the ones that were decently done, the early on ones that they spent 10, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars doing, um, what they ended up showing was that statins brought about no... uh, Decrease. No change, no decrease in all-cause mortality. I mean, the reason that you take a drug is you don't want to die, okay? <laughs> right. And and statins didn't make any difference in all-cause mortality, uh, except in one small group, and that was men under sixty-five who had had a heart attack already, and even that was a negligible yeah. change. And in fact, you know, people who study public health wonder if it's even worth the money mm-hmm. for the. Tiny handful you had saved to put all those people on stands, mm-hmm. which not so much anymore, but it used to be really expensive drugs, mm-hmm. until they went off patent. Mm-hmm. But the uh, uh, but there's no no change in all cause mortality, which means you're just trading one risk factor for another. Now it is true that you, that people that are on statins have fewer heart attacks, mm-hmm. and, f- and fewer fatal heart attacks, but. It's compensated for because they have more cancer, they have more other kinds of problems. So there's right. there's really no change in, in the your risk of dying at any given any given time, and so that's why I think they're kind of worthless drugs because they're not particularly benign. They're I mean, not they benign. Can, no. They can increase liver cancer. That's why people that are on them have to go back in and get all these blood tests mm-hmm. all the time. They can cause the Yeah, rhabdomyolysis. They they can cause short-term memory loss mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, these aches and pains from the, right. the, the rhabdomyolysis. And it's just, uh, I just don't think they're very good drugs. I think and, they're but, terrible drugs. But every time you pick up a medical journal, there's some new purported benefit for stand. Mm-hmm. People don't do as poorly with COVID if they're on stands. I mean, there's just one of these yeah, things Yeah, but it's probably about the same another. as if
2: they took a baby after. Yeah,
1: one. and so it's... Uh, I think that those have made a fortune for the mm-hmm. pharmaceutical industry and not mm-hmm. done a lot for the patient population. And done get, a lot
2: of harm, actually.
1: And yeah, you know, and I write a weekly newsletter, um, and I get you know emails back from people with just these pitiful stories mm-hmm. that you know, one guy, my 92 year old father um, had a stroke, and, and so they put him on stat. They want to put him on statins. What do you think? Well, I can't give specific medical advice you know, over the internet. Um, you know, my mother's 83, right. and she's, uh, her doctor wants to put her on a statin because her LDL is up. Uh, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, there are a handful of studies out there showing the higher the LDL, the greater the longevity when you're mm-hmm. elderly. Mm-hmm. You know, they've studied elderly people, and those with the highest, the higher LDLs live the longest.
2: Same thing with women.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Same thing with women, and mm-hmm. so it's just—it's uh, insane. In fact, that, that um,
0: all cause mortality. Nature dot com had a study that the highest all cause mortality was had the lowest cholesterol. The highest risk of yeah. dementia had the lowest cholesterol. So, yeah. and, and you know, when you think about cholesterol, makes a big
2: portion of your brain. Right, I mean, there's a lot of cholesterol and fat that that is structural in your brain. Yeah, you know, without it no brain
1: <laughs> yeah you know the the argument that what i call the lipophobes <laughs> have <laughs> to that is that they say well it's it's not that the lower cholesterol is causing the decreased longevity it's that these people have something to matter with them and mm-hmm. that's making their cholesterol too low and there's probably and, that's and, probably and, fair yeah, no, yeah, it does uh, happen with cancer or right. whatever
2: cuz the cancer cells are gobbling up the cholesterol to make uh, new cancer cells cuz that's I structural see. for the cell wall i mean cell membrane um, you know, so it, d- it does happen that way. But I think it's, I think it's both things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and LDL is a part of your immune system, mm-hmm. an important part of your immune system. Mm-hmm. And people often overlook that. And one of the strongest validators, I think, for the lack of any truth to the lipid hypothesis is people have uh, familial hypercholesterolemia. This is a sort of a genetic screw up that gives them really high cholesterol and they do tend to die younger when they're younger these are people that can die at 22 years old from a heart attack or 17 years old from a heart attack and they find that they've got this and they've got these huge high cholesterol levels but the ones who don't die end up living longer than people that don't have
0: is that right Mm
1: -hmm. yeah familial hypercholesterolemia yeah they uh they have greater longevity and so it's um you know i just don't think there's a lot to uh the whole lipid hypothesis Mm -hmm. of heart disease i think it's more of a a a clotting disorder Mm
0: -hmm. oh that's That's interesting (laughs) but if you're saying two so the fat would help you with the clotting right Mm-hmm. Well, the lack of carbs helps
2: with the clotting, yeah. too, the because lack when of carbs. insulin goes up, all of the clotting factors uh, go in a clot direction.
1: So, Yeah, there's a guy that's done a lot of work on this in the U.K. He's also a friend of ours named Malcolm Kendrick, and he's got a new book out called The Clot, the clot Thickens. Thickens. <laughs> <laughs> he's, kind of, he's kind of a <laughs> tongue-in-cheek kind yeah. of guy, a funny guy, but mm-hmm. he's got a big practice in the U.K. Mm-hmm. and a really smart guy. And funny. It's funny. <laughs> now, what?
0: you two are retired from your day jobs, but it sounds like you're still active in medical research. And especially because I know, you know, Dr. Bickman, Dr. Fung, and you're still in those circles. Because, again, you were saying this before anybody. When people are saying right. calories in, calories out, you're saying mm, not so fast.
2: Normal cholesterols at that time when we were in med school, if I was going to take a test, they were say, what is a normal cholesterol? Yeah. yeah. 350.
1: It's the upper that limit. was the upper Are limit. Are you of serious? That was
2: what was considered normal, and humans haven't changed a whole lot. Apparently, they have. Um, but that was that was what it was. I and had then no idea. Bringing it down, bringing it down, bringing it down, and now you'll see people, and they'll say, "We want to get your LDL under a And I'm thinking, "Are you nuts?" my
1: total cholesterol is two hundred and five, and right, right. Well, a doctor wants <laughs> me to go on a statin. Our
2: son, who is fifty, yeah, this year, um, our middle son. Um, got some blood work done, and his cholesterol was two hundred five, I think. Mm-hmm. And his doc- doctors recommended he go. And he is—he's thin, and he's healthy, and uh, nothing wrong with him. Just based on that, with a triglyceride that was low, mm-hmm. they were going to put him on a statin. And he looked at him and said, "No, <laughs> no, you're not."
1: And it's—you know—it's insane too, because one of the things Dave Feldman showed in all his work is that. Uh, cholesterol bounces all over the place mm-hmm. and you can't go to the doctor one time and get a, mm-hmm. a cholesterol test and you know a lipid panel and say oh my god you need to go on a statin because mm-hmm. it could change three days later mm-hmm. depending on what you eat mm-hmm. and so it's, it's I mean everybody kind
2: of understood that about triglycerides that they were very volatile but people back in the day assumed that cholesterol was kind of a stable thing and it's not. Dave mm-hmm. Feldman has shown that it really is dependent on what you eat and it could be a totally different number tomorrow, and that, and yet all of these tests that they, you know, I mean, these studies that they do, and they say lowered cholesterol by ten points, and you think that's so—that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I mean, you yeah. can't; that it, it could be situational. That's there's not enough change there to and, show anything.
1: And when I got uh, when I started working with all this, I actually uh, believed the experts right. and believed <laughs> the medical literature, and now I've found out that it's so screwed up so screwed and so up. flawed mm-hmm. and the uh and you've really 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 got to be careful in what you draw from it mm-hmm. I mean, you've got to read these articles critically you've got to i mean i used to just pull these articles and i'd kind of read the abstract and read the conclusions uh-huh. and say, oh, i think that's what most
2: doctors do proves yeah. this
1: and that mm-hmm. and you've, you've got to delve into it that's why when people say what do you think about this paper and it's a 12 page paper you know, <laughs> And it's going to take me three yep. or four hours to go right. through that, look at the methods, try to figure out what they did, try to figure out what, if mm-hmm. anything, they they left off mm-hmm. uh, to Where really biases might yeah you know, to really read it critically. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes a long time, and you just find out so much of this stuff is just absolute garbage. Mm-hmm. And and, uh, and so now I'm I've gone the other way. I'm totally skeptical of everything. Whereas <laughs> early on, when I started doing this. You know, I believed it all, and I believed the Lipid hypothesis until mm-hmm. I just finally got smacked in the face with, after seeing,
0: <laughs> many well, thousands
1: of patients that. It and really we matter. have
0: to we have to see that big pharma and big food are kind of even in bed together. Remember, it wasn't it Cheerios that told us that if you ate that, you could mm-hmm. lower, your lower your cholesterol. A high car. I mean, Cheerios is sugar. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's carbs and sugar. It nothing about mm-hmm. it. I think it was Cheerios, one of the cereals yeah. that said lower your cholesterol.
2: Soluble yeah. fiber in it, yeah. And so therefore, it's oat fiber, and that was in the days of the um, what was that called? Six week cholesterol cure, eight week cholesterol yeah. cure, yes, eight week cholesterol cure, and everybody was making oat bran muffins and scarfing yes. them down because that was going to help them lower their cholesterol. That was, yeah, that was a phase,
0: and that was a phase because all it did was increase your fasting insulin and your blood glucose, right. which in turn. Affected the other things, so you know. And
1: what kept your cholesterol down was the niacin mm -hmm. that they recommended, Mm
2: -hmm. which that was also part of the program.
1: That was the program. Eat all these muffins. Who doesn't want to eat muffins? I love a brand (laughs) muffin. Right. Uh, I mean, I'd be face down in a box of them if I didn't think there were any consequences, but there are. Yeah. And that's what the guy who wrote that book was basically giving people permission to do, hey, make these big fluffy muffins and eat them all day long and your cholesterol will go down. Oh, and by the way, take these large doses of niacin that are going to make you flush mm-hmm. or take the no flush niacin that's turned out to be problematic and I think even been taken off the market. Mm-hmm. So it's um, it was sort of the, the drug slash supplement that was doing any cholesterol lowering and the muffins were working in opposition to it. Mm-hmm. Because obviously so, he didn't understand the physiology of where LDL comes from. Right.
0: We'll go back to your, in the 80s when you were practicing and you were saying, you know, we've got to push more protein and now we know more fat. Were you then, because everybody was counting a calorie then, were you, y'all counting calories within your high protein? You weren't then. Then people did think that you were crazy. Crazy.
1: Yeah. We just, we just, <laughs> yeah. you know... For the most part, uh, if you count carbs instead of calories, yeah. uh, you won't overeat because the foods that you do get to eat are so satiating, you, yes. you really don't overeat. Mm-hmm. It's strange though, some people can and we would get these letters that I just found amazing. These people would write to tell us how closely they were following a low-carb diet and they were eating this and they were eating that. and. And, you know, I, I only eat 10 grams of carb a day. And when you add up everything they eat, it was about five or 6,000 calories. And oh. they said, I'm not losing any weight. And, and I would think, well And
2: this was a female, this yeah, letter. Right. It, was a, it was a woman. I
1: would say, does it not amaze you that you're eating that many calories and not gaining weight?
0: Oh, that's a good and, way to look at it.
1: Yeah. Well, what, and,
0: could, what was she eating? though? She was just eating. Because <laughs> you get so well, satisfied from... If you eat, she
1: was, she was eating the three things that sabotage most low carb diets, which are nuts, nut butters, and cheese, mm-hmm. uh, because you can cram a ton of calories mm-hmm. into those without getting very many carbs, and so people will eat those to weigh excess. And the whole thing about a low carb diet is, is what it does: it lowers your insulin levels, and it basically opens the doors of the fat cells so the fat can come out and be burned, mm-hmm. which is what you want to have happen. Okay. But if you're eating enough dietary fat, that you don't have to burn any fat, even though the doors are open, it's not going to come out. You're not going now, to necessarily gain weight. Yeah, the amazing thing is that you okay. don't gain weight doing that. But you won't lose weight.
0: How, how did she not reach satiety then? I, nuts. I that's really. I, think, I mean, I think that's
2: what you're what you're talking about is exactly that. There are some people that oh, have okay. such a
0: high. Okay.
2: A, a ability to not be satiated, Yeah, uh, that they, they can just eat and eat and eat. And um, I mean, I remember reading that letter. It's when we had our clinic up in, in Boulder, Colorado. Um, and I was just, I said, you won't believe what this woman's eating. I mean, it was just a, you know, it was like three eggs and five pieces of bacon and whatever for breakfast. And then uh-huh. she was having um, you know, a, a whole six you know, ounce can of tuna with mm-hmm. mayonnaise and I'm not sure what. And then she, I mean, just yeah. eggs in, in the middle of the day. I mean, just all of this food and then the big steak at night. And, you know, and yes, she was keeping her carbs 10 grams, but she was eating just a tremendous number I of see. calories. And as a result, she wasn't going to lose weight on that. She she was maintaining weight on that. But, you know, I thought, golly, it's, it's like double what I eat. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, you know, and our middle son, the one she was talking about earlier, who's thin, but he's actually started putting on a little bit of weight because he doesn't pay real close attention to his diet. And so he's just flipped the switch and kind of went cold turkey on a low-carb diet.
2: Well, on a basically carnivore diet.
1: Right, on a basically carnivore but kind of low-carb diet. And so he's sitting there... One night watching TV, and he's got this, you know, one of these big things like you get at Costco of uh, uh, cashews. Yeah, cashews. cashews. cashews, Um. uh, Which are kind of a high carb nut. They're really a fruit, not a nut. But uh, (laughs) yeah. Anyway, he's sitting there. And watching TV, and he ate half of that thing. Of
2: that, that huge, half
1: of that giant thing. So it's really easy to do uh, yep. when you're eating nuts, yep. Yep. and you're just you know with the salt and you're crunching yeah. them. Yeah, blah mm-hmm. blah blah. blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he went through it, and I said, "Take a look at the calorie count on that." <laughs> right. And it was astounding.
2: Oh, he he had probably eaten, I don't know, three thousand calories just yeah. sitting watching a movie.
1: And so
0: there is a time, and Dr. Fung says we can't outrun the thermodynamics of the the equation of, you know, you could eat too many calories. I guess <laughs> most of the people I deal with don't really face that. But I, I can see how, but if I'm also hoping people aren't eating a bucket of cashews. Right.
1: Right. Me too. Right. Me too.
0: And he's not now. Yeah. Now that we, no,
1: that we informed him. Informed that. him. So. But, it, you know, but you can, you know, you can crank up and crank down your calorie burning too mm-hmm. and
0: I see without well, then,
1: thinking about it I mean if you go on a really low calorie strict diet you're going to burn a lot fewer calories your, well, you get your metabolism cold. just drops right, you off cold, you, right. you quit you, all your you don't move as much when you sleep you, you don't
2: have you, you know you don't have a lot of needs.
1: and see so, yeah you can calories mm-hmm. and on the other hand if you just chow down on a lot of uh, low carb calories, You'll burn uh, and don't run your insulin up. Mm-hmm. You end up cranking up your energy expenditure mm-hmm. just innately.
0: I can see that.
2: Um, yeah, you know, we saw that with patients in the clinic too. When once they got, I mean, the first thing we did was I mean, when somebody would come in was you know talk to them about the diet, how it worked, you know, what was happening with within them, you know, when uh-huh. they eat protein, when they eat fat, when they eat carbohydrate, because I wanted I wanted them to understand um, that it was all in their control, that what they ate had yep. this impact, that they yep. were not going to escape, and they got yep. to pick what it was. And there's a, a real power in that. I think if you feel like, okay, I, I really do have control of this. I can I can make this decision. But then they'd get on the diet and get squared away. We didn't even talk about exercise or anything. We just said get on the diet, and spontaneously. After they got on the diet and their insulin started coming down and their weight loss started, they would they would spontaneously they would come in and they'd say, "I joined a, you know square dance club or mm-hmm. what I mean they suddenly decided they wanted to get out and be active because they had all these extra calories that they didn't need that they were going to burn off and they needed a way to burn them off. But we didn't even really have to tell them to do it; they just did it.
0: Aren't our bodies interesting like that? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you think think about animals that go into hibernation. You know mm-hmm. how they're not expending the calories and that there's mm-hmm. the intake has dropped. Mm-hmm. Yet they're provided. You know they have the provision to make it through the long cold winter. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. um, I've like even I've even heard some doctors saying now that and that's one thing I love about fasting for me is that um, I'm at my probably the weight my body wants to be. I'm 5'8", about 150. Yeah, I was 140, 35 years in college. 40 years ago, I was mm-hmm. 140. But you know, I've been through menopause. My thyroid is not impressive. I have a lot of <laughs> autoimmune condition. Yeah, she, she died, she RIP'd my whole it. thyroid. She's just burned out. But all that to say, uh, Dr. Kiltz in um, upstate New York says, the people who make it through the long cold hard winter or through cancer or through disease are people with a little fat on them too that mm-hmm. this isn't that's why it's not a diet it's where my body fits mean, right. my clothes fit well i'm slim you know but yeah. i'm not skinny that's the point i'm not right. skinny and i think fasting if you eat and you know part of intuitive eating and i know that that gets thrown around too much but i think our body just kind of there's a hand in glove where it fits and goes okay, this is just where you're going to sit. This is when you need food. This is when you need to stop. And so that's one thing I think fasting has done for me is it has helped, and Dr. Fung has helped explain that my satiety signals and eating a high-fat diet like steak is so mm-hmm. satisfying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what what is your philosophy then? Because uh, intermittent fasting is obviously not a new term. It's an ancient term. But in the last 10 years, Dr. Fung, Michael Mosley, some others, have said, you know, I think if you stop eating <laughs> as many hours in a day, you might lose some weight. What, what did you think about that when you first heard no. it?
1: Well, I wrote about it about 15 years ago, I guess.
0: Is that right?
1: Yeah, about intermittent fasting. <laughs> and it uh, because I started reading the literature on it that was just coming out of the mm-hmm. NIH by a guy named Mark Mattson, who Madsen. Yes. Oh, yes. And the thing that, uh, and you, and, you know, when you look at it with rodents... Um, you can, you know, you can take rodents and give them food ad lebanum. They just eat all they want. And then you can crank it back for their litter mates, basically, sort of genetic similar rodents. You can crank that back by 30 or 40 percent and give it to them uh, just one time. And, and, or I'm sorry, not do that. You can give them the same number of calories, but yeah, just right. give them once a day or right. once every other day. Right. And they're going to lose weight. They're going to their health is going to improve all over the place but the most important part to me was that it increased uh, BDNF which is brain derived neurotropic factor which makes you increase connections in your brain mm-hmm. it's thought to uh, you know to really it, you can't give it to people they have to make it themselves but people right. who can when you can induce it uh, makes people better with Alzheimer's it mm-hmm. you know makes you smarter it makes rats be able to figure out mazes better it's uh, It's good stuff, and it's hard to get your body to make it, and you make it with exercise and you make it with intermittent fasting. And so that's one of the things that I like the most about intermittent fasting, and we pretty much intermittent fast all the time. Just we never, we kind of never eat at the same times, and (laughs) we'll go until four o'clock without eating one day. And then, you know, the next day, mm-hmm. eat an early breakfast. It's right. just random all over the place. Mm-hmm. And so, and I well, think... Well, and
2: sometimes we do it kind of structured. Yeah. You know, we'll do a um, a thing where, you know, we'll eat a breakfast and a lunch and a very early dinner if we're going to do that. And then we won't eat again until six o'clock the next day. That's fabulous. So then they'll get a 24-hour fast mm-hmm. in but. There, you know, never a day without sunshine. Yeah, and then
1: the next day you, you get big dinner and breakfast yeah. and lunch the following day and do it again. Mm-hmm. But we're all over the place, yeah. and the you know the most uh, the most efficient machine is one that's operating at a steady state. And so, if you, the more you alter things, the less efficient your machine becomes, right. and less efficient in terms of human means burn burns burning more, more calories. calories. <laughs> right. And so that's why we like to vary stuff around all over the place.
0: Right. Our bodies like that. We
1: just breakfast, lunch, dinner, with snacks in between, all at the same time. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I really think our bodies like to guess as to what the fuel source is. Plus, you show metabolic Mm -hmm. flexibility because you come Mm -hmm. in and out of sugar and fat burning, which is, Mm -hmm. again, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, how do you handle, because we're in the holiday season, when that stuffing is in front of you or the cake, what do you do? Do you have special occasion days or no?
2: Sure. Yeah. Sure. And holidays are, are generally those, although uh, I, I went to totally gluten free 10 years ago. Oh, great. Just on um, the pre, the, the understanding that it's probably not very good for your heart, uh, that gluten's probably not for inflammation, and right. uh, I have a strong family history for heart disease, and so I I went gluten free 12 years ago, and so that's changed a lot of things, mm-hmm. you know. But the rest of the family didn't go gluten free, right. and when Thanksgiving right. comes, they want gluten stuffing, and yeah, right. they, I mean, mm-hmm. well, we still don't. I still don't do it with. You know, I do a I do a stuffing that doesn't have gluten in it, so I wow. can have it if I want to.
0: Yeah,
2: um, but I, and I'll have a little of it. But you know, it's it, a friend of ours, rest his soul, Robert Crayon, uh, once said, "Pleasure is a nutrient," and he's right about that. <laughs> that if you deprive yourself <laughs> forever, great. yes, you know that it, that takes a toll too. And so every now and then, uh, and I think in Protein Power we called it stumbling into the honey tree. Every now and then <laughs> you stumble into the honey tree, okay. and and when you do, you get drunk on honey. And that's what early man yeah. did. And he got drunk on honey and, and stumbled away. And yeah. But, you know, it wasn't something that you did every day. And I think that's a big problem nowadays is that people just sort of live in the honey tree. And yeah. they're never
0: out of it. Right in high levels of insulin and other things. And it, it, there's a reward system that our, our brains have. Okay, let's wrap things up. Mary Dan, you all have turned from nonfiction writing. You have now switched to <laughs> fiction writing. Oh, I didn't expect this part. <laughs> well, I want to go ahead and give props to you because well, when I, I look for you on social media, because I remembered your names and when I, I, I've i just, I mean, you can I hope you can tell that I've done my research on mm. fasting and autophagy and all the things. Like I'm fascinated by the science. Your names keep coming up but when i go to your site it's all about the new and improved you now michael still is sassy on twitter and i love what he's saying about t- on twitter i don't want to say it here because i don't want the you yeah. know to get pushed get off him canceled, don't get him canceled. well <laughs>
1: you sadly you
0: canceled, I, you canceled. <laughs> that's right but i'm i'm tracking with you all on your twitter but mary dan tell me what you've been doing
2: uh well um uh, as so many people during COVID, i needed something else to do and I uh, had, a, back years ago, I remember we were walking down the street in New York City with our agent and talking about the protein power book that, was, yeah. that we were selling and all of this. And I had written three books for her, I think three or four, um, for a book packager that she was doing that were, that were um, topical, breast cancer, arthritis, um, vitamins, um, eating disorders. And anyway, I said, you know, I'd really love to write fiction. And she says, well, if you're going to write some fiction, you should write you should write a story about a lady doctor in the rural South, because that's what you know. And I thought, oh, okay, that sounds kind of good. So I actually got started on that and wrote a couple of early chapters of it. And then, you know, life intervened and protein powder intervened and the, all these books that came after protein power and, and our practice and a, a thousand things. And I never got back to it. And then during COVID, um, for whatever reason, I thought, well, I had, my sister and I had actually taken that story and turned it into a screenplay back wow. around 2000. Oh, my. And, um, and, and, and it didn't sell. But, you know, and who were we? We'd never written a screenplay before. We did it as part of a class. We took a class at the Santa Fe Screenwriter School. And, in fact, we did two classes there, two summers. And so then... Um, I had this screenplay, and I had this beginning of a book, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to go back, and I'm going to actually finish this book. I'm going to turn this book into a novel and get it done, and so I did, and got the you know, the, the whole thing uh, finished, and it was published in May, and then um, I decided it was going to be a series, and so the second one just came out the 17th of this month, so it's now a two-book series. And, and what, I'm are, hoping- what are the titles? I'll put this all in the show notes, too. Oh, okay. Uh, Well, the the series is titled the Catabend series. And the first book is called Catabend, which introduces the lead character, Maggie McKinley. And the second book is called Eye of the Storm.
0: I love it. I love it. I love what you're doing in that it's so encouraging that you haven't hung up. You may have hung up your stethoscope, but you haven't hung up your brains, your desire for life, (laughs) your interest in things. Well, that's what keeps us young. You know.
1: Yeah. True. Oh, absolutely. That's true.
0: Right. That's true.
2: And, and through this character in these books, I get to practice medicine, which is really kind of fun because she's a family doctor. I love it. And so it. I, all these cases that were from both our case book, they're all anonymous. But right. Uh, things that we encountered or whatever. Now I get to I get to practice medicine again, but without paperwork and without you know bills and the hassle.
0: Well, I need to take a break from all the fasting and sciencey books i read and i would love to jump into that and just escape so i think it's a great idea (laughs) thank you both for being here great job thank you for do you have arkansas roots is that how you started in little rock or you went to med
2: school born and raised in hot springs okay and then we practiced in little rock forever yeah and And what city are you
0: just over the border yeah what city are you in now
1: uh right now in dallas We split it down between Dallas and Santa Barbara. All
0: right. Great job, guys. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having
1: us. Thanks.
0: Thanks for listening to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and download all the episodes and leave a review, won't you? The Lisa Fisher Said Podcast is produced by ClantonCreative.com.